This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, and Tom Reed. Hey everybody, it's the Civilized Barking Podcast. Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd in our respective bunkers. Talking a little football, uh, talking Browns. It was a week ago today as of this recording that the free agency window opened up. The Browns didn't wait but 15 minutes to make a big move. Uh, they had a busy and expensive week. But Jason, first things first, uh, you were on a mission to gain 30 pounds before normalcy um, resumes. So how's that going for you? Jason, you might have muted yourself. <laughs> Jason, we can't hear you. I don't see any audio levels. I somehow nope. muted myself. <laughs> I knew it. Okay. <laughs> did, you hear, did you hear me say that? <laughs> I, I, how is this possible? Like, not even out of the start, not even out of the batter's box. And I'm ready to hit by a pitch. I feel like I should keep this in. <laughs> no, I'll cut it out. <laughs> no, keep it in. It's fine. It's funny. <laughs> okay. that's, that's Marissa. She's the one that keeps us on course and in line most days. Yeah, that, that perfectly sums up how... This is going for me. Not even out of the batter's box, and I get hit by a pitch and not even paying attention to what's going on. I muted myself. But I am ahead of schedule in the weight gain. Uh, I, I This this whole quarantine thing sucks for fitness. And I was just starting to, like, do yoga and working out. And, and then, you know, coronavirus had, had other ideas. And now I eat carbs and sit on my butt most days. Yeah, it's a challenge, you know. Um, it really is. Like the food's there and you eat it. Right. <laughs> and the yeah. other thing is obvious obviously you, you wanna um when you do wanna break it up a little bit and you wanna support local and and places are hurting. So, you know, they're they're not only begging for your your business, but they're putting things on sale. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna support local today. Oh, two for twelve. Sounds good, I'll have four. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I've been there. Yep. Uh, we went out and spent about three, four hundred dollars in groceries before things started locking down. And now, like, there's just food all over the house. So I just have something in my hand all the time. Yeah. Um, I have the discipline of a drunk rat. Yes. I, I know how that goes. Um, this is just weird. You know, thankfully, Jason, last week we had Browns free agency. So there was some movement in the sports world. There was something to write about, something to talk about. Um, I am supposed to be at the University of Iowa's Pro Day right now. Yeah, that's right. Um, I forgot about that. You know, so that's an element that, that we'll talk about. Um, instead, I'm home. The prospects are going to be home. I know some guys are doing Pro Days um, and basically sending the film or sharing it on YouTube with teams, you know, going out of their way to verify certain scores and whatever. So we'll talk about that. But um, the Browns did make moves. The Browns made a splash, okay, and that doesn't mean that they're going to win the Super Bowl. It doesn't mean that it'll all go up in flames. Um, my theme with this team, with this organization, with this year is I'm squarely in the middle. That's from Baker Mayfield on down. Uh, we'll see how this goes, but I think, Jason, had we done this a week or a week and a half ago and I'd have told you, hey, they're going to get Hooper, they're going to get Conklin, they're going to get Case Keenum to the most important room uh, in the building. And they're going to add some guys on defense that on one-year deals that really should be playing for their futures. They're going to they're going to be aggressive. I think you would have said, okay, this is a solid start. I, I like what this Barry 
Stefanski de Podesta regime is doing. I like that they've targeted guys kind of coming off the rookie deals. I'm surprised that some of these guys were forced to take one year deals. Um, maybe that speaks to not to be too excited about what they can do, but you know, outside of case Keenum, a lot of these guys are, are, are young and you know, that they, they could be around for quite a while. And I personally, I love the Keenum signing. I, I wrote this in the team chat that we did. I was trying to explain it with Dustin and Dustin just tied me in knots on the radio about it. Um, <laughs> but the point I was trying to make was you need someone in the room who's going to push him. You need someone in the room who can step in in case of injury and so that the whole season doesn't go down if your quarterback misses a couple weeks. But I didn't want someone who there was going to be this this months-long talk of, well, who's the quarterback? If Baker has two or three bad games, now suddenly guys in the locker room are looking around at each other. That's what I was. I thought they needed to avoid because you have to find out definitively by the end of 2020 whether Baker Mayfield is your quarterback going forward or not. That, to me, is the whole point of this year. We thought we knew after his rookie year. Now we don't know. And I've always put a lot of the problems that he had last year on some of the dysfunction and lack of coaching and lack of discipline within the organization. But there are no more excuses now. And this is on him. He, it's, it's time to, to fly or, or flop. And, and that's why I didn't want, like, you know, Marcus Mariota is a, a big enough name. And, yeah, okay, he, he flopped out in Tennessee. But if Marcus Mariota is your quarterback here, that's going to be the talk all, all along is, well, who's the quarterback going forward? Is it Baker? Is it Marcus Mariota? And even in the locker room, I think it could have got to that point of, well, you know, a, a locker room's divided and a number of guys want Mariota. To me, you ha- you need this year to figure out what you have in Baker Mayfield. You have to know by December whether or not – and now that he's kind of lost his protection in John Dorsey and some of the guys that brought him here, you know, I don't think that the leash is quite as long as it was. This may be his last year in Cleveland as the starter, particularly if he puts up numbers like he did last year. So th- for that reason alone, and, and again, I – it sounds really good in my head, and I don't think I've been able to verbalize it quite the right way yet, but that's why I thought Keenum was perfect. He's older. He's 32. He's had success in this league. He's had success <clears throat> with Kevin Stefanski in this league. But he's not a guy that you're going to look at and say, hey, you know, this is the guy that we want to be in the long-term future of the quarterback position. No, if Keenum starts 16 games, so you're going to go 3-13. and 13. Yeah. But you said it. Um if he has to start two games, can you go one and one and stay in the playoff race? Yes. And you're right. This is the year of Baker Mayfield. It's not about winning the Super Bowl. It's not about making the playoffs, although the two are tied together. It is about Baker Mayfield showing that he's the quarterback of this organization because you have to have that guy. All of a sudden, when you do have that guy, all your other problems get a little bit smaller. All your other guys seem a little bit better. And you're just trying to avoid doing that dance. So many teams had to do over the last week in the last months, really, where a 43 year old quarterback and a 38 year old quarterback got a combined 55 million, right? Where where Andy Dalton is out there, where Cam Newton, or nobody has an updated physical on him, is out there, where Teddy Bridgewater is all of a sudden a 60 million dollar guy, you know, based off three games, right? And and, and Teddy has done it uh, pre injury, so maybe that's not the fairest comparison. But you want your own guy, you don't. You want to spend this money on your own guys and the next piece. And that's why the Browns started where they did. Austin Hooper and Jack Conklin. Um, we, we will talk about the other guys, but these are guys. These, this regime signed their collective name, right, to these guys. It is about Austin Hooper being a matchup piece, being a pass catcher, being a security blanket, and scoring touchdowns. And it's about Jack Conklin 
filling one of the two most glaring holes on the offense, a super important position, helping Nick Chubb get to the next level, and helping that offensive line do all it can to keep Baker upright and give him every chance to make those throws. So they spent big on those guys. Let's be honest, guys, the, the reason there was no competition was not that Austin Hooper from San Mateo, California, dreamed of one day living in Cleveland. It's because the Browns <laughs> offered him more money than anyone else. And you can get cute with that Conklin. He's a big tank guy, and he idolized Joe Thomas. Yes, that's all fine and dandy. The Browns gave him $20 million in the first year and $30 million guaranteed on a deal that allowed him to get back into free agency in 28 if he's healthy. And his one injury is really the only reason that he hit the market. So uh, it's not an all-in type proposition. The Browns still have flexibility, and they still have questions, Jason. And I think that, more than anything, is why the one-year contracts for all the defensive players – um, on that side of the ball, there's Miles Garrett, and really for the long term, um, you can't fully commit to anything else. I, I think you can to Denzel Ward, but he has to stay healthy for you to do it. He has to become that top five corner rather than saying, well, he has all the ability to become that top five corner. So th- this was about, this whole thing is about Baker, right? And it's why they've held on to all the other guys. I'm talking specifically about Hunt, Joku, and Beckham to this point. Uh, it's it's about uh, creating the best environment, giving him the best chance. And, you know, we don't know when it will be that Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt and Case Keenum will eventually get their hands on Baker. But the 2020 Browns, uh, they have to know that this quarterback is good enough to get them from wherever they go this year to that next step. Do you – have your thoughts on 10 changed at all now that free agency – the, the, the flurry is over. I, I still think they go left tackle at 10. Have, now that we see a little bit more of the picture, have your thoughts changed at all on that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% locked in, but I still think they do. And I still think for long-term team building, you want your left tackle to be under team control for four or five years and grow into that player. You can't expect a guy to be the next Joe Thomas, but that's the blueprint. Sure. We draft him. He's ours. He goes into this position, and we don't have to worry about this position for a long, long time. Hell, five years and Browns years is three regimes, right? So you're trying to say for five years minimum, we don't worry about this guy. And ideally, you would extend him after three, and he would be your left tackle for seven. But, yeah, um, you know, I still think trade down is a possibility or even a likelihood. I still think Isaiah Simmons being there um, could affect that. Uh, And I I say that, Jason, because I think – the three quarterbacks and three tackles could go in the top nine. And so then, then the Browns have a decision on their hands. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still a little early for that. And this is going to be, you know, usually in the pre-draft process, something leaks out that X team went to Iowa's pro day and didn't really care that works worked out, but they met with him. They took him, his family to dinner. They spent some time with his high school coach 15 minutes down the road you know, team is locked in on that guy. This year with no visits and, and no, none of that stuff, that, that information is going to be harder to come by. It's just yeah. going to – it might still get out, but, you know, it, these things are not going to happen face-to-face. They're just not. So um, we don't know how the draft is going to go. And I think of, of last week's movements, I think one that helped the Browns is it looks like the Chargers, who sit at seven, are going to go rookie quarterback. Obviously, the Browns want quarterbacks to go in the top ten. But the Cardinals, who got their wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, are most likely going to go tackle at eight. And so if the Giants go tackle at four, um, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at third or even fourth best tackle in that group. So so we will see on that. But um, 
I do think I would say maybe 70% uh, tackle or maybe 65% tackle if you can include trade down as an option. And they could still trade down and obviously get a tackle. But um, I think what they did here is they, they left their options open on multiple fronts, and that's good. And, and I think, like I said, I think they've done a, a really solid job. You could nitpick and, and you don't know. But I think they've done a really solid job. And uh, I just worry about the linebacker position because I look at who's on the schedule. It's not just Lamar Jackson. It's Joe Mixon. It's Josh Jacobs. This year it's Ezekiel Elliott yep. and Saquon Barkley. Yep. Um, it's the AFC North to start with, right? And so I just I look and I say, what are they doing a linebacker? Because B.J. Goodson's not doing it for me. You know, speaking of some of the defensive signings that they made, one of the points that I, you know, we talked about last year throughout the season, and, you know, I think we both wrote about it at times, was just the lack of winning within the organization and the lack of people that know how to win. And how are you supposed to win if you don't know, if you've never done it before? How do you figure that out? And, you know, Demarius Randall was a knucklehead in, in many respects, but at least he had been part of a winning organization before, and then he's gone. And then Morgan Burnett is gone. How much of that do you think is a factor? Kevin Johnson has playoff experience, at least with, you know, the Texans and the Bills, Andrew Sandejo with the Vikings, obviously. Uh, Jack Conklin, the Titans. I've been so impressed by the Titans getting closer to the NFL and watching it a little bit more closely and a little bit differently. The Titans aren't sexy. They aren't flashy. They are warm milk, but yet they win eight and nine games. They're professionals. They're adults in the room. They're everything that I want the Browns to be. And, mm-hmm. and that's where he comes from. He comes from that type of structure and, and discipline and, and really a winning culture. Can those guys, how much of an impact can those guys have in that setting, what we're talking about, of showing guys who've never won in the NFL before how to win? I think eventually they can have a huge impact, Jason, because I think we all saw last year how, how it all went, right? And, um, you know, maybe it was leaky from the top, right? Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe it wasn't just dripping from the roof. Maybe it was gushing and <laughs> the church was going to overflow either way, right, for, for lack of a better analogy. But I, I do think it matters because, listen, in this league, I mean, you know, it was so bizarre last year. The Browns had all this hype, and they lost the first game at home by 30 points. Yep. All right, and then they played on national TV like three of the next four weeks, which they had never done. And in between those games where they went to the Ravens and they won by like 30 points. I know that wasn't the final score, but they, they were up four scores with eight minutes to go in the game. Um, you know, it was just this bizarre thing that ended up tailspinning into you know winning once in December and being over. And when you look back, how did this go? Well, I I think not having guys that had ever done it before was a part of it. And I think nobody to check, starting with the quarterback, quite frankly, um, false expectations or a feeling that we had arrived. So, you know, there should have been a humility for those who are back. There should be a maturity from those who are back. And you got to get away from the weekly circuses, you know, and, and looking back on it, Miles is the last guy that you would have thought would have started in one of those, right? And yeah. obviously not having him from a football standpoint was just incredibly uh, hard to overcome, specifically when, when Olivier Vernon went out. But I, I do believe there's value in guys that have played on winning teams, that have been on teams that have found a way to rally from 500 or a game under 500 at Thanksgiving and get there. And if you do get there to January, then I think you can start to measure that or at least say, 
with more authority, yes, it matters. But I absolutely believe over the journey of an NFL season where nobody goes undefeated, where all sorts of bad stuff happens, where you got to reel people in from an expectation standpoint, from an ego standpoint, from a real-life going-on standpoint, uh, I do think it matters. And so, you know, they mostly got 26- and 27-year-olds who are adults for this team. But you see Sandejo, okay, I nod. You see Conklin been in the playoffs all those years? I nod, right? Hooper was on a team that was in the Super Bowl that led 28-3 in the Super Bowl. Right. That's The Falcons have been up and down, right, right, over the last decade, but they've done a lot of winning. They've had a lot of guys that have been core. Pl- Here in Cleveland, Ohio, people could, the average fan can name 10 guys that have played for the Falcons over the last decade, right? Because most of them have been there. They've played on big stages, and they've stayed for a long time. Yep. And that's what the Browns have not had. So – um, I don't, you know, there is luck involved with all that from an injury standpoint and in a league that's ever changing, you know, it's hard to look more than a month ahead, but I do agree as those started to roll in. And even if I wanted to say, ah, I don't know. I mean, obviously this guy, is not any good or some team would have signed him to a better contract. I do like the green Bay, the Buffalo, the Houston, the Minnesota, the Philly pedigree of these guys. And that they have played in playoff games. Cause I do think down the line, it can matter. Tournaments have been canceled. Leagues are suspended. There hasn't been a live game on TV in what feels like a year, even though it's barely been more than a week. There's no better reminder of how important sports are to our lives than to take them away completely. But The Athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there. And in these very strange, very uncertain times, we're still hard at work doing excellent reporting and trying to tell unique, engaging, informative stories. Like the one about Brazilian soccer legend Ronaldinho being in a Paraguayan jail right now. Or how the situation between Todd Gurley and the Rams was beyond repair. Or how minor league baseball players are getting financial support from their big league counterparts. Or even here in Cleveland, where we're still covering the Browns and writing about everything that's going on and might be going on in a few months. It's during times like this that The Athletic can keep you connected to the teams, the athletes, and the sports that you love. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash civilizedbarking, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Games aren't being played right now, but the stories that draw us all to sports, those don't go away. So go to theathletic.com slash civilized barking, all one word, theathletic.com slash civilized barking for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the story you wrote last week on the new fullback who, I <laughs> I mean, he's only a fullback, but I think Browns fans are going to love this guy. You wrote in there that an interviewer once said that he spent all his money on, what was it, Bush Light, tobacco, and hunting gear? equipment and, and, uh, <laughs> and, yeah, and Bush Light and chewing for, tobacco, yes. <laughs> for, anyone, for anyone who hasn't seen the story yet, tell us a little bit about Andy. Well, Andy Janovich is uh, a small-town Nebraska kid who turned down wrestling scholarship offers and Division II football offers to walk on at Nebraska. Uh, didn't really play till his senior year and was good enough as an old-school head-busting fullback to get drafted and was good enough in two years, two and a half years, um, with the Broncos that they extended him last year. And sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. The Browns have been on this wild fullback search. Well, the Broncos changed coordinators and aren't using a fullback. So six months after extending him, giving him $3 million in guarantees, which for a fullback in the lifestyle they live is like 30 for another position. Yeah, um, They traded him for nothing, and the Browns were glad to have him. So uh, I I know someone who thought I, they, I thought they might have Andy Janovich's number, and I, te- I got it from that person, and I texted him, and I said, Andy, 
uh, introduce myself. If you would like to talk about the Browns and Bush Light, give me a call. And he um, he called in forty seconds, <laughs> and he just I just said, "Hey, man, thank you for calling back." He said, "No, thank you. Listen, I'm bored. Like, aren't you?" <laughs> right, right, yeah. And yeah. so you know, he just he he, and it was very. This was probably I think the trade was announced at seven o'clock at night, and this was noon or one Eastern the next day. So basically for him, you know, 14, 16 hours. And he, he said like, my wife is stunned. And like last night was bizarre. He goes, and and I'm a little bit stunned, even though I knew they were making a shift. He's like, but I'm glad because I didn't want to just play special teams. Uh, I'm, I, he goes, people have told me people in my life in my NFL life have reached out and said, this is a good opportunity for me and that I'll love it in Cleveland. And he's like, so I'm just basically in my basement doing push-ups, getting ready to go. <laughs> and I said, you know, I, I basically Googled him and, and people on Twitter had sent me that story where the quote about I spent all my money on the hunting gear and the bush light. And I said, Andy, I got to ask you about this. I said, because, you know, the stuff, sometimes this stuff takes on a life of its own. He goes, listen, when I drink beer, I drink bush light. And he said, and I, I talked to a buddy of mine and I, and I asked him, you know, do they drink Bush Light in Cleveland? And he said they buy it by the pallet. And he said, "I'm ready. I'll be there as soon as they as they let me." <laughs> so, can a fullback be a fan favorite? Well, he's going to be. Uh, he's going to be. Um, he's under contract for, for for at least two more seasons. And um, yeah, I think people here when the new jerseys come out, you know, I think they could reasons to be hesitant on anyone except number ninety five, right? So why not buy the fullback's jersey? And chug your bush light and mean you lot and come on, come on down. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, on the, uh, on the guys that they signed defensively, there, there's a lot of names, a lot of one-year deals. Who's the one that pops to you or the, or the one or two guys that you look at and say they may have something here? Well, I think in Kevin Johnson, um, you got a guy that's played and in, in that immediately fills a starting role in today's game. Slot corner is a starting role. And yeah. Uh, he was a first round pick who uh, he got hurt, you know, and, and he is a smaller corner and that's why he's moved to the slots. So sometimes a guy was overdrafted and it's not his fault. You know, sometimes injuries happen and it's either not his fault or they keep happening. Well, he's been able to play the last two years. It's just because he wasn't able to play and specifically to his draft level, the Texans let him walk. They couldn't pick up the fifth year option. The bills took him. The bills played him. I think in 13 of the 16 games, he played more than 50% of the snaps. He made one start. He played in every game. They went to the playoffs. Um, you know, this is a guy that, that's done it. So uh, they wanted him back. I think the Browns gave him a little more money. And by signing the one-year deal, you know, sometimes, Jason, because the NFL gets – guys get cut anyway. Um, from the one-year deals, to, to answer your original question, the Browns get guys in the compensatory pick formula – uh, if they lose them and the players just get to hit free agency again, if Kevin Johnson is the slot corner, the Browns have always waited for in October, they can sign him to a multi-year extension. You know, it's just yeah. you know, how it works. It's kind of protection for both sides and it's incentive for the player to say, why would I get caught up in a year from now? If I have a big a team option and I have to wait, whereas I know I'm in control, the team will either want me back or I'll hit free agency again and I can, you know, if I, if I ball out, I can put a big number on it. So he's the one that stands out. I mean, you need Goodson to play because you just don't have anybody else at linebacker. 
Um, Carl Joseph was having maybe his best season before he got hurt last year, and the Browns certainly have a need um, for for that safety to play down by the box. You know, last year at this time, or or for the first half of last season, they started three safeties that used to play for the Packers. Um, before last week, they had two safeties on the roster. Period. So, you know, he's another former first round pick that's only four years into his career. Uh, so I don't think he's a great player, but I, I know he's a good one. And again, you know, he's he's playing for that next deal. So we don't know how the new coordinator is going to use these guys. But I think it was important to add that experience. I did not agree with the release of TJ Carey. I just I would have paid yeah. him money, at least for now. Um, so to make up for that, they went and got Kevin Johnson. They went and got Andrew Sandejo and they went and got Carl Joseph. And, you know, those guys are all at or near um TJ's experience level and they just they think Kevin Johnson is a better player than TJ Carey is. So we'll see how it works out. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised by the Carey thing too. Uh I, I really maybe that's personal getting in the way because I really enjoy talking in the locker room. Uh but I, I thought he played well for them uh at, at times too. But the He wasn't the, listen, he he there was times that TJ Carey was over his head out there, but there was times that you could put him in at any of four positions and he gave you quality football. Yeah. You know, and he just was so important. You need five corners. You need five corners in this league. And you have two, one who we think can be really good in Denzel Ward, mm-hmm. who's got a little injury history. And the other one in Greedy Williams, we don't know. Let's be honest. First round talent dropped for a reason. Yep. Then got hurt as a rookie and then really played poorly down the stretch. And now a lot of guys play poorly down the stretch their rookie year. But you need five corners and you know, especially before these signings, you got like one and a half that you know yeah. of. Let's let's just be honest. I'm I'm glad you mentioned the compensatory pick thing. Uh, you wrote about that a few days ago. I, it doesn't seem like the Browns have been in that game very often. Walk us through that and what could come of this. It's all these guys that that they signed to one year deals now. If if they leave after the season, what could the Browns be looking to get for them? Well, the reason the Browns have – compensatory picks, guys, is a formula based upon if you lose more in free agency than you gain, then you are awarded compensatory picks. Um, but the, the, re, the reason – the primary reason the Browns haven't been in it is simple. They're always changing. So they're always spending big on free agency, and they're never losing guys. Right? They're losing a handful of guys, but they're always outspending what they're getting. So here the down-the-road thinking is that we're going to have these guys. We're going to give them a shot. And they'll either become our guys because we're signing our name to them now. Or if they don't and they walk, get free agency, and we spent big on free agency this year and we don't spend next year, then we'll be able to, down the road, start adding assets via compensatory picks. Um, the Eagles, and we know Andrew Barry worked there for a year, and we know they've been one of the top organizations for a long time. You know, they are sitting on 10 draft picks, and I think two or three of them are compensatory. One is a late third. I mean, that's a, a top 100 pick is a valuable pick in any draft, right, regardless of whether it's a thin draft or a deep draft because of oh, the way the maneuvering goes. Um, the Ravens, before they dealt for Calais Campbell, had 10 picks, um, and, and a lot of that is a compensatory where last year their defense got raided. Yep. Uh, Zadarius Smith and those guys. Oh, they put together a good defense and they're still able to do it. So it's down the road thinking and it's, it's adding saying that picks are valuable and they are, um, especially because if you can maintain picks and caliber, 
and cap space, you can do what the Ravens did, which is add Calais Campbell for a fifth rounder. <laughs> the Ravens traded their backup kicker to the Vikings for a fifth rounder last August and turned that pick into Calais Campbell. That's incredible. Okay, so um, that's incredible, right? They they traded their other fifth round pick for Marcus Peters. Okay, like this when if you can keep flexible and keep your picks, you can turn them in to big time assets. So it starts with drafting. We know that, but that to me, Jason, other than just cleaning up the administrative BS of, you know, three, a lot of three-year contracts essentially being one-year contracts anyway, that's why it went with one-year contracts. And the thing to remember, if you're tracking this going forward, if you cut a guy, he does not count in your compensatory pick formula. He has to play out his contract and leave via free agency. So it won't be next year for the Browns because they lost Schobert for a lot of money. They cut Kirksey. Grant Robinson's not going to be playing in the NFL. And if Higgins is playing, he's going to be playing on a minimum contract. Well, they they went and they got Hooper. They went and they got Keenum. They went and they got Conklin and all these guys. But a year from now, if Kareem Hunt leaves via free agency, if David Njoku's still around and he leaves via free agency, if Olivia Vernon's still around and he leaves, and three of these guys that they signed this week on defense sign with other teams, then they're in position to win the compensatory pick formula and for 2022 get awarded draft picks. Is Higgins and Njoku on this team next year? I know we touched on Nujoku after they signed Hooper. Uh, I, you, you said it wasn't a 100% certainty that he was gone. I still think there's a chance he's back, a decent chance that he's back. Yeah, I think I don't there's see a chance he's back. I don't see the upside yeah. in partying with him at this point. I think he's more. he could be more valuable. All well, he needs is one injury. I think he's more valuable to them on the team than he is. What are they going to get for him, a, a fifth? You're right. You're right, and, and I think that's the exact value. However, this is long-term thinking. Right. He's he's only got you just hired his replacement at 11 mil a year. Yeah. So if you could get something rather than lose him for nothing, unless you want to play the compensatory pick game. That's right. Um, I'm going to write about this this week at the combine. Kevin Stefanski explained the two tight ends and how they play different positions. Hooper and Njoku play the same position. Farrell right. Brown plays the different position. Yeah, they did. I mean, Hooper will be asked to block. And specifically, if Nick Chubb's going to get to 1,500, Hooper's going to throw some blocks. But Hooper is here to catch touchdowns and catch the balls on third and four, right? He's not here to plow people. David Njoku is not a blocker either. So, you know, we we will see how that goes. Um, And we might not know until after the draft because his option is not due to be picked up until the week after the draft. And because it's a thin tight end draft and because Njoku is still 23 years old, a team that wants to draft – a tight end, Jason, in the third round and can't get him might just wait and trade next year's fifth for Najoku. Yeah. Or next year's seven and a backup safety that they just replaced because they drafted a safety instead of the tight end. They didn't get right. something like that. So that that's that's my word to everyone, Browns fans and any fans of any other team that might be listening. Week one of free agency is the hysteria. It's the hype. It's the high fives. It's the big dollars. But there are several reasons that other guys wait and especially after the draft, during the draft, trades are made, guys are replaceable. And especially this year where we don't know what the offseason program is going to be or not be and how teams are going to go. Guys sign all the way through the summer. I mean, even when the Browns stole Greg Robinson, they signed him on the day they they uh, closed up their spring stuff in mid-June. You know? Wow. wow. <laughs> One year they got Davin Holly for nothing. They acquired him in June. <clears throat> like, you know, it's just – there's examples of that. Um, As for Rashard Higgins, just reading the tea leaves, I would not expect him back. However, there's been little to no movement at all in the receivers. 
And I think that's just because, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders signed, but Robbie Anderson still hasn't signed to my knowledge. And I just think it's because the draft class is so good. The teams are waiting to see, okay, can we just draft our guy and keep him? And then, you know, does it kind of shuffle and trickle down from there? So if and when there's an off-season program, the Browns need veterans to get in here and teach these young guys because Jarvis uh, will certainly not be a part of it. And Odell's history says he won't be a part of it, right? But, you know, is it going to be Higgins? What's it going to be? I don't know. I I just – I would not expect Higgins. Um, You know, I I think there's a possibility that – I think there's a – put it this way. I think there's a likelihood that by September, one of the Najoku, Hunt, Beckham are not on the team. But there is no hurry on the Browns' part to take anything less than proper value in any of those three cases right now. Yeah. As we talk about this – Everything going on. Everybody's locked down. You, you, you mentioned Janovich is doing push up push ups at his house. I, I don't know that necessarily we're at the point this is this, this will impact the NFL season, but this absolutely is going to impact draft guys and and mini camps and all that. Obviously, so what kind of of shape do you think these guys are are going to be in? Can you stay in when you are confined to your home? Not everybody has elaborate home gyms. Obviously, what kind of trickle down effect? will this quarantine and everything that we're going through right now as a nation, if, and when we do get back to normal, if, and when, you know, the football season hopefully is unaffected by this in the fall, will this just be a blip on the radar? Or do you think in terms of health, in terms of conditioning, will this have any sort of impact on the season? Well, I think big picture, it's certainly not a plus for the Browns being new, right. And from everything from the draft process to, not having guys in the building April 6th. That's two weeks from today. They were supposed to report and Kevin Stefanski has been itching for that day to have the guys in and look at them. And, you know, it's basically about six weeks of uh, various training and groups and then four weeks of on field work. Um, And, you know, you're at least going to lose right now, probably the first six weeks of that. Right. So, you know, what does it have conditioning? Yeah. I mean, these guys are fine tuned. And Jason, I think most of them, specifically the ones that have been in the league and have found a way to stay in the league, they stay in peak shape 10 and a half months. They do. But football shape. And then, as we know, learning the scheme, dealing with your new trainers, your new strength coaches, your new teammates, your new routine. I mean, when free agents move, they had people that helped them take care of their bodies with their old teams. They have to reacclimate, you know? They had their routines, which might have been fine in other places, and it might be fine here, but it, it might not be as well. The, the, these are things that there's all sorts in every sport why, why free agents flop, right? And a lot of it is stuff that we don't ever see on our TV screens. So, right. yeah, I, I think this is it's too early to either know or begin to quantify. But I think a team like the Browns with the constant change and specifically the change this year is behind the curve. And then, you know, I'm certainly no physical conditioning expert, so I can't speak to those guys. But, I, yeah, I think specifically um, your young players that maybe need more of the structure to actually get going or, or maybe need um, to see the spring and see what the game is really like, even in non-pad level, to get themselves to, to a certain point physically um, as well as mentally. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a detriment, and we'll see how it all affects. You know, because they just passed this new CBA, which made training camp even lesser. 
as far as padded days and full days. So if nobody gets back to normal until June or July, can they pass an addendum to add on to training camp? You know, to have two weeks and then maybe two weeks off before you go to training camp? I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, I know the CBA says specifically when it can be, and it's done on June 14th, for example, right? You get at least six weeks off. Um, last year, the Browns were done on June 4th. Uh, this year, I think it's the 13th or 14th marked on my calendar from, you know, just when I was back in January marking things. Now, now we don't know the calendar. I think those are all questions. Now, I guess the good news is it's, it's across the board, um, 32 teams, but the Browns being new or certainly don't stand to benefit from it. Yeah. I'm curious. <clears throat> we saw last year across the league, how teams approach the preseason and training camp and, and holding guys out and. And the, the product on the field, I, I think, suffered for it the first couple of weeks of the season. I think we'd go back and go line by line and see where teams probably really weren't ready for the start of the regular season. I just I just wonder. I think it's going to have it could have it, it could have a huge impact on on yeah. what you just said and in training camp and, and rolling into the season. That being said, one thing I'll never forget is back when the lockout was in 2011 and um, off-season programs got affected as they didn't pass it till I think late June or, or early July, and all the stories were being written about Camp Colt and how uh, all the Browns receivers had gone to Colt McCoy. Yep, uh, in Texas, I remember that played right, and it was like a big deal because we had something to talk about. Well, the Packers didn't do any of that, and the Packers won the Super Bowl that year, and that's <laughs> something that's always stuck with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's it's like free agency. Like people want to, and we're talking about it here. Well, yes, like. Austin Hooper and Jack Conklin on paper make the Browns a lot better. The first yeah. game is September 15th, you know? Uh, yeah. And as you said, like every year in the NFL, there's some week one and week two results that you look back in November and say, how in the world did that happen? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the Ravens started two and two last year, finished 14 and two, you know, wow. it's, just, it's, it's it, it, in a lot of it. And someone told me a long time ago that uh, really and I can tell you this was 11 or 12, 11 was the CBA year that I just referenced. So this was 12 or 13. They said the really good, the really physical offensive lines, the preseason does nothing for it. It helps with timing a little bit and guys, you know, work their bodies into peak football shape. But they said they need those first three games to really play together, to actually play football before they hit their stride. They said, so yeah. you'll see, you'll see those lines stink. And then all of a sudden week six, they hit their stride. And then there's Sheldon Richardson who told me last year he doesn't need training camp. He needs like two weeks and he's ready to go. And he said the veterans exactly. that veterans that have reached that are still in the NFL at his age who survived know how to get themselves ready, know how to get their bodies in shape. And he pointed out right. Strahan missed all of training camp and had his best season ever. Uh, yep. So it's just fascinating to see the different positions and the different I guess needs summertime needs to get themselves ready. Uh, but real quick, I mean, I if there was to... a game tomorrow, don't you think Miles Garrett would have like four sacks? Like he's, oh, absolutely. he's ready to go. So absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Right. Uh, I want to right. touch on this real quick and then you, you, I'll let you wrap us. Uh, your thoughts on Tom Brady to Tampa and then any other significant free agent moves that surprised you? Um, you know, just reading the tea leaves and, and it being the point of discussion, I think, you know, on our TVs, on our radios and basically at the combine, I'm not surprised. And I think Tom kind of pulled a LeBron in the respect of, he kept putting it out there to kind of lessen the blow and kind of, I don't know if he was daring the Patriots or if he was just breaking up with them and telling them that he wasn't reconsidering. 
So I'm not surprised there. Um, Can I interrupt you? Yep. The the one thing that that you said that I wholeheartedly agree, I remember when Adam Schefter on, I think it was a, it must've been a Monday night football game was on the panel on the field, was on the set. And he kept saying over and over and over about how Tom Brady was a free agent at the end of the year. I knew then he was gone from being on this side of the curtain and knowing how Mm -hmm. things operate and knowing how things work behind the scenes for Schefter to be as bold as he was in just saying like, this could be, this could be, this could be, you know, I, I knew then Tom Brady's leaving new England and I thought he's going to Tennessee. I just, with the Vrabel connection and everything else, I said all year long, I thought he's going to Tennessee, but I wholeheartedly believe that last year was his last year in new England because of what you just said and the way that, Things get put out there. And when when Schefter was as bold as he was, and, and, and bold and just by saying, like, this could be his last, this could be his last, he is a free agent, he could leave, it was evident to me, having operated in that world before, what exactly mm-hmm. was happening. Yep. So let me give you my one uh, football thought on Tom Brady. You know who the perfect back for Tom Brady and Bucks is? Who? Oh, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Yeah, He is absolutely the perfect back. He is physical enough to go between the tackles and beat on teams and protect a seven-point lead with 10 minutes to go. And he's really good catching the ball out of the back. Yeah. And so I just think the Browns put the second-round tender on Hunt so they didn't lose him for nothing. But once the dust settles, um, I just think that Tampa has to make that trade or at least have to pursue that trade. I really do. I, I just – I think he's, he's the perfect guy, and I think for the Browns, to say we're going to ride Nick Chubb, uh, you know, it'd be different if, if Hunt wasn't going to leave in one year anyway, right? Um, right. I just think you could find a suitable number two back. Um, hell, you got a couple options on the roster if you think Chubb's going to be a 1,500-yard guy anyway. And I just think that you look at making that trade. Anyone from around the league, any other big NFL moves across the league that surprised you? Um. I tell you, the one that I don't think is good for the Browns is Eric Ebron to the Steelers. He's been kind of a knucklehead. Yeah. Um, if he acts right there, which guys have a history of doing, I think he's the perfect tight end for that offense. You know, obviously, it all depends on Ben coming back. Sure. Ben's been living in the woods, apparently, for eight months. Oh, my God. You Did you see that? <laughs> he looks like me. That's what I would look yeah. like with, the, with the, if I right. never shaved. Like, <laughs> he looks He's been insulted looking shape. for Bigfoot, but if he's ready to play football in September. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I saw we'll that see. video. If I'm a Steelers fan, I'm panicking right now. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Ravens, I think, got a lot better on their defense front. They still have um, the option with Matt Judon. You know, they, they tagged him so they can either move him or, or keep him and let him be their top pass rusher. We'll see what happens there. Um, you know, I don't want to count out Phil Rivers. His whole career, he's played games that have all come down the last two minutes. And last year, he just happened to throw more picks than touchdowns. But I think it's a good fit, Nandy. I, I trust Chris Ballard. Um, they have been sitting on cap space for about three years, and it's made their fan base angry. And now they spend it on Rivers, and they spend it on DeForest Buckner. You know, clearly they're they're two most glaring needs. So they're not a perfect team, but I think they're a team that it could, can say right now, hey, we're going to play at least nine games inside, right? We're in a winnable division. Like I think you look at who's at the top, Baltimore and KC, I think the Colts can, can say that they're right at that next tier. Denver's kind of going all in, um, so that's interesting. You know, the quarterback is completely unproven, 
but he did play well at the end of last year, and we'll see where that goes. But, um, you know, like I said, if you're handing out teams that got better, I, I, the Browns are certainly on that list. So, um, you know, my my working theory, Jason, is, is going to be um, the Browns are not going to win the Super Bowl. But if they can be a competent, relevant, living, breathing, semi-functional team where the quarterback plays at an efficient level, it'll be a successful year. So, um, you know, that's kind of squarely in the middle, and that's where I'll be, and we'll see where it goes. Real quick, I know I said we'd wrap, but I, I thought of one other yeah. one. Jameis Winston. Hey, nobody's got Cam- anything to do, so keep going. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just, we'll just talk till lunchtime, then I get to go eat again. Uh, Jameis Winston and Cam Newton, what's going to happen to them? Yeah, um, I really thought that Cam was going to go to the Bears or the Chargers, and I still think he could go to the Chargers, right? Um, I just think you're dealing, with, you're looking at a guy who was such a physical freak, and Remember that game two years ago at the Browns? He was playing with his shoulder hanging off, and now yep. it's the foot. And he has to have his he has to have his feet. And so I think, especially now with the Panthers kind of saying that they wanted him if he's healthy, and then all of a sudden, even though a lot of people didn't ever believe them when they said that, you know, at the eleventh hour they were out on Cam, they were in on Teddy. I'm not going to totally rule out the Patriots with that one. So watch, watch that. I don't think Belichick could tank, even though he could probably, if he really wanted to, I think he could do it better than anyone's ever done it. Yeah. I don't think that's in his DNA. So I'm going to watch that one. Um, Jameis might have to sit and wait for someone to get hurt. He really might. Wow. Uh, although after the draft, a lot, a lot could change. I just think with, when you throw 30 interceptions, that guys are hesitant to sign their name to you in any regard. Right. And, and we know Jameis has the talent. So it goes back to what you talked about at the top of the show uh, in picking wisely and not creating or fanning the flames of what could become the quarterback controversy, right? Not wanting um, to do that to whoever is in place. So I'm fascinated. I thought Andy Dalton would have a home and he doesn't either. So, yeah, um, I forgot. I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just the way the cards got shuffled. You know, people didn't know where time was going to go. Phil Rivers, you could have kind of said, Tennessee or Indy, Tennessee chose to stick with Tannehill. So they were out on the outside guys and and the outside guys remain outside. So, um, you know, that's where it is. Let's talk about what we're doing here. We've had a lot of meetings talking about things and we've kind of been at the stage of there's no such thing as a bad idea. We've rolled some of them out. So we had the Cleveland Hall of Fame today. Uh, Our colleagues, Pat uh, McManaman, Tom Reed and Zach Meisel, you know, waded through that. I cast one tiebreaker vote. I thought that was a cool idea to get some conversation started. I'm super grateful from selfish standpoint that the Browns had frontline free agency moves that I could write about for a week, but I'm about to wade into that other end. So what are you excited about that we got coming uh, for the readers? Uh, I did one right before they shut us down in Arizona. We, I had fun with Mike Clevenger, the Indians pitcher who has given up home runs to 47 different batters. And this is kind of playing off the ideas that we've had. We've done this with NFL quarterbacks and other markets. Uh, Josh McCown had fun with it. And of guys that he threw touchdown passes to. Well, I kind of flipped the script with Mike on, you know, some of his worst moments and how many of the 47 home runs could he remember? And I think he went about 40 or 42 of 47. It was, we had, it was, it was hysterical. He had a ball with it. Uh, it was with your boy Andre. I had Andre holding the mic for me, and it was it, it probably took thirty minutes, thirty minutes or more outside the Indians clubhouse in in Arizona, going through 
uh, all the different names and guys that he couldn't remember. And then when we told him, he freaked out and remembered it. And we, we had a ball. We had, we had fun with it. So uh, I got that coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we've got some, we've, we've had a lot of fun with trade trees. We had one on the Browns. We had one on the Indians and how they turned Eddie Taubensee into 30 years of all-stars. I have one coming on the Cavs this week of how Damon Jones led to a championship and not because he was Ty Lue's assistant coach. So <laughs> we're getting creative and we have a Slack channel. Zach, as you know, let's get weird. And we just throw all kinds of, there, there has been some insane things thrown out in that channel of, of story ideas. Some of them work, some of them don't, some of them are in production, some of them are out already. And, you know, we had one, our, our Rangers writer wrote, if all the mascots in baseball, who would win, like in, in a war, in a fight, and it could take place anywhere, it took place in Wrigley Field, and like the actual mascot, like an actual live tiger for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, it was it was, it was was wild, it was out there, it was hard for me to get through its spots, but um, we're getting creative, and really, you know, I, I put this out on Twitter, really what we wanted to do as a staff, as a site, as a company, was, you know, give everyone the first few days to digest as much COVID-19 coverage as they could and and really sort of get over, get through the, the seven stages of, of, you know, of panic, of grief, of being locked inside, of right. whatever it is. And then, you know, sooner or later, we know everyone's attention. They're going to want a distraction and they're, they're going to want to read something besides coronavirus. And, and when you are ready, we're here. And we have, we're still churning out the content. We're still coming up with, you know, it's a mix of what you just said, Zach. You know, we, I mean, we've been talking for nearly an hour here about NFL free agency. So there is still some live current event with NFL stuff. And we've been able to take some look back stuff with some of the other sports, dig in and into some things that, you know, maybe people have forgotten about or things that haven't been talked about lately. Uh, I, I love the Hall of Fame, the, the job that those guys did with the Hall of Fame selection and balloting. I don't know who can argue with the five the names that they that they settled on. I won't give it away. You know, go look at the Athletic if, if you want to read about it. Uh, I was the oversight committee, and I still forgot a name. So bad job out of me because uh, it was my job to look at the list and go, "Hey, wait a <laughs> minute, you forgot this guy." And and I think I came up with a few, but then you know I saw in the comments already, Ernie Davis has to be on this list, and he's right. Yeah, I I dropped it there. I, I dropped the ball. On, on, and I'm sure there's others. I'm scared to look at the comments because I'm sure that there's others that I that I forgot about. Uh, but I, I just I love our staff. I love the staff that we've assembled. I love the creativity, uh, the ability to think a little bit differently. That's what makes us thrive. And uh, I'm just so proud of the work that we continue to do through what is a, a, a difficult time, you know, for our country. And all, all I can tell you as subscribers is uh, we're not going anywhere. And, you know, wherever this takes us as an economy, as a nation, we, we are very well funded. We are very well supported. We have almost a million subscribers. So we are not going anywhere. This, I, I, you know, we had a call with our owner who said we may be scarred when we come out on the other side, but we will come out on the other side. And I wholeheartedly believe that we will get each other through this. Um, we'll be there for you. You be there for us. And we will get back to a point of normalcy at some point and we'll be able to look back on what we made it through and, and sports will return. And, you know, I think they'll return as, as strong as they've ever been. Uh, sports have helped this nation heal in the past, you know, I think of nine 11 and I think of that first, when the games first returned in New York 
and when the NFL first returned that weekend, I'm as cynical and jaded and jagged as they come. And I was getting choked up at watching players run out of the tunnel carrying the American flag that weekend. Uh, and and it, it'll be there again. Sports will be there again to help us heal and to, to get us through. And I just uh, just appreciate all of you who subscribe, all of you who read and listen to us blither on here for almost an hour. Uh, we'll get it. We'll get each other through. You charge your headphones off 30 seconds in, but we've made it an hour. So. <laughs> no one ever accused so me of being right. From this <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Found the ball off my foot right out of the gate. <laughs> You said it well, but but I gotta say, I'm sitting here last week in this very spot, and I look down and I see my phone light up, and it says Omaha, Nebraska. And I knew it was Andy Janovich. I felt more excited than like a friend that I haven't seen in ten years calling me. I was like, "Yes, I'm gonna have a story. Yes, yep. Yep. please, I'm gonna have this story." Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, um, no, that's that's how it goes. So we. Um, one of the company-wide initiatives has been the one-hit one, the all-time one-hit wonders from your organization. So yeah. Pat and I have collaborated on that. I'm going to finish that hopefully this afternoon. I don't know. When Tell we'll me, see Peyton that. Hillis is on the list. Uh, he's at the top of the list. Yes. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the the other thing, um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought here because we've been we've been going for so long. Um, gosh, what was I going to say? I don't know. I think it's time one-hit to sign wonders. Off, so. No. Oh, oh, yeah. So just this morning I was looking at, you know, my ideas for this week and how I'm going to space them out. And I put out the mailbag call. And frankly, you know, I, I pick six or eight questions every mailbag. Yeah. And sometimes lately, especially in the off season or when things go bad, it's a struggle to get to that many decent ones. Sure. I had 15 questions in the first hour and I thought 13 of them were really good. So what I might do is a mailbag and then a podcast mailbag uh, to where we talk about some of these things. So that was my way of saying thank you to you guys for engaging, for reading, for looking forward to it. <clears throat> um, the last time I was getting ready to do a mailbag, some uh, some news broke, so we pushed it from Thursday back to Monday. And over the weekend, two people who I don't know reached out, like, hey, whatever happened to the mailbag? Like, we always look forward to that. And that was really cool. So thank you guys for reading, for listening for letting us blather on. Stay sane, stay safe. We'll talk to you next time on Civilized Barking.